Hey guys, Philosopher here, and I am here with one of the biggest people that have influenced me to get to where I am right now. This is Gutex, a competitive player, author, entrepreneur, like triple threat, in my opinion. Uh, I think that he has a lot of information to offer, so hopefully you guys will be able to learn a lot from this. Uh, but the first question, um, you know, before doing cross counter and, and writing books, you were a competitive player. Like, how did you get started in the FGC? I got started in FGC maybe in 2003. Um, I was going to school at Cal Poly Pomona and was playing, uh, you know, CBS2, Third Strike, casually with friends in the dorms, but we had a really uh, cool arcade. And so we were playing and then I was, you know, trying to get good. I didn't real, I mean, I knew there was a tournament scene, but I wasn't like involved. And then I was there for summer school and my friend that I would play with messaged me one day. He's like, hey, there's like this really big tournament at school. You should go mm -hmm. check it out. Turns out it was Evo 2003. So I walked in and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I was like, this is, this is home. I, I felt like I'd found my people. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I made like one friend that year because uh, it was like this, this dude, Simon from Nebraska. And, um, you know, I, I had a car, I was looking for the area, took him to get some boba because they didn't have that in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, that's good and, stuff. And uh, then, you know, we kept in touch and I kept, you know, playing locally. And then the next year, Evo 2004 came around and then they were like, hey, you know, he had the whole crew. I picked up the whole Nebraska crew from the airport and they were like, oh, there's this really big third strike tournament at this place called Family Fun Arcade, which I'd heard of but never been to. Hmm. So I was like, all right, let's go walked in and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I didn't even know that this thing existed because Family Fun Arcade reminded me a lot of my, my home arcade that I would play fighting games at as a kid. Um, it was just like a mostly a fighting game arcade. And so I just started to go pretty much every weekend, uh, which was like, I don't know, it was like an hour, hour 15, it was a long drive. Uh, but I would go, and at the time, the the FFA guys were just starting to to put out tournament videos, um, which was, I mean, this was 2005, 2006-ish. So essentially, like, essentially a pre-YouTube era, you know? So these videos would get uploaded to, like, an FTP, you know, how many people were watching or downloading or whatever. Um, but because I had a background in audio engineering, I used to record shitty metal bands back then <laughs> in college. And so I knew a thing or two about audio and they didn't know anything about audio. So I was able to, even though I wasn't the strongest player, um, I mean, I was just like super like middle, you know, mid tier, like I was okay. But I was able to build relationships with these guys because I was willing to help with the production on, on the audio side. And then that sort of led to me editing the, the whole video. So even though I was well-versed in audio, uh, I didn't know anything about video, but I was able to use the same software um, to edit these early FFA Third Strike ranking battle videos. So through being involved like that and, and, and helping and then just going consistently, I, I just, I, I got, I got better. Um, 
over time and you know practice through exposure and just being around them and practice yeah because uh like even though we would play you know whenever you get there like nine ten o'clock at night the place would close at like three or four and then we would go across the street to denny's and then sit there for another like two hours and like talk about the game and like that was where I was probably where I learned the most because there were a lot of, you know, there were a few guys in the scene, like dudes like Arlith and, and Ken I that uh, like knew so much about the technical side of the game that I, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, so it was really helpful to have built those relationships through just being willing to, to help and take like an existing skill set, audio engineering, parlay that into helping with these videos and then learning how to edit video and then, you know, producing the, uh, the Ask Dr. Sub-Zero podcast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it kind of just went from there. Video editing and learning all these skills. Like, why, did, why bother doing that? Uh, well, when I was in college, I had this silly idea that I wanted to, uh, like, own a record label. And, but having no back... I mean, I played piano when I was a kid, but I have no, essentially no musical talent, no connections, nothing. So I was just like, well, I, and, and no money or anything. So I was just like, well, I better learn how to do all this stuff myself. Um, in terms of like video, uh, it was kind of like the guy who was, even I would help with the audio during the tournaments, but then the guy who was editing the videos normally, uh, Shogo, I don't know, he got busy with something some week, so I just well, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can just edit this one this week. Mm -hmm. And then it just, you know, it went from editing to then, like, making these, like, intro, like, intro videos set to music and all this stuff. I mean, it, it was it was fun. I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of work, but, um, yeah, it was definitely, like, good learning experience because... Um, even though I don't edit videos now, I still can totally talk with editors and know, you know, know shit about like, you know, <laughs> bit rates and formats and rendering, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was really just like being in a position where I was already helping and then taking on like a little bit more responsibility. Even though there was, obviously there's no, there's no money involved, despite our best efforts to, <laughs> to, to try to monetize, you know, video, like fighting game videos in like 2005, 2006. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when did this transition happen between, you know, playing and making videos to actually teaching people how to play the game? Well, the thing is, like, I, once I started to do, um, at some point I decided to just launch um, a, a website, gutex.com, and this was kind of like maybe 2007, 2008, and I would, I kind of made the decision, I, I, I had like this like quarter-life crisis fucking photo with a long-term girlfriend and was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Uh, the only thing that was really left that I really gave a shit about was, was Street Fighter. So I, I, I was like, well, how can I just try to make a living doing this? Which meant I needed to 
figure out how to like turn that into like making money but because I guess I have a I have a, a, a background or a lot of experience with like information products and like um, I've gone to like, like I've gone to lots of like seminars like real estate like making money like start your own business I've, I've gone to a lot of that stuff and I'm, I'm very familiar with this sort of business model of like creating information products and selling them because even before doing this um i was dude like i at one point i was like making videos to show people how to um it was like it was something about it, it, i was selling these uh like videos on eBay, physical discs on showing people how to do like slightly technical stuff at the time, stuff like, um, I think it was even like ripping it, like how to rip a DVD uh, and, or how to like take like a vinyl record and like digitize it, like mm. shit like that, which wow. sounds silly now, but like, you know, 12, like a lot, like, 12, 15 years ago was, you know, there was a need for that type of stuff. So I was already, I had already been like, kind of like making and selling information products. And I always felt like there was a really big, like a missed opportunity to create some of this content and products around fighting games because it was, I'd seen it work so well in other industries. Like what's the difference between like buying like a package that shows you how to get started in real estate investing and buying a package that shows you how to get better at street fighter the only difference is the subject matter mm -hmm. but the delivery the way that you can sell is the same thing so i've studied you know i mean I, i've studied dudes like dan kennedy who's like fucking direct marketing god and, and educated myself on how these guys have been selling and making money throughout the ages and then we just try to apply that to to fighting games so in the early days it was like okay well have the website and because street fighter 4 was like brand new i would spend all my time like i would wake up go to super arcade and then take a break and then basically like write um blog posts on what i don't know what i learned or whatever and at some point stumble at some point came across this like the idea of a, a lead generation magnet um which at the time was i mean i don't know I, it might have been from dan kennedy i don't know where i got it <laughs> it certainly wasn't mine though i'd seen somebody else i'd seen plenty of other people do it mm -hmm. so i was like okay well i need an ebook so let me just write a small ebook it was called the third strike player's guide to street fighter 4 because mm. this was when Street Fighter oh. 4 was out in the arcade, but it wasn't gonna come out on console for another like nine months. So I was blessed to be in SoCal and had access to all the Street Fighter 4 machines. So I was able to get the jump on everybody else, put together this, I don't know, it was like 30 pages ebook, and then trade it for, just put it up for free in for exchange email. for email addresses and then and then be able to send traffic to whatever I wanted, whether it was 
my, like a new podcast or an event that I was going to or, you know, selling Mad Cat sticks within an affiliate link, you know, like that, all that stuff is super useful at the time. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know, that was, that was kind of how it, it started because like my focus was always like when, when I was a kid, I would read, I was buying like Game Pro magazines and I would buy the strategy guys because I was like trying to get, I was trying to get better. I mean, I was, you know, I was like 10 or 11 years old. Um, so it's like now being older, even though this was a long time ago, I was like, well, maybe I can make the type of resources that I wish that I would have had. And I have the access because I, I, at the time I was, you know, I was a top player, you know, so it's like, I know everybody and, you know, people like most, almost everybody was always down to either be on the podcast and talk about, you know, how they think about the game or would be down to do like more premium stuff. Like, Oh, like for example, I did a product with Ed Ma called Street Fighter 4 Secrets. And then one with Arturo Sanchez, Street Fighter 4 Secrets 2, you know, and then did one with Filipino champ fighting game mastery. And it's like, it's all, none of it really, none of those products actually required any gameplay. You know, it was just audio. And at the time, like that was, way, it was way easier to just put together this product and, and sell it on iTunes or sell digital downloads than it was to like make, uh, you know, like tutorial or training videos, which is a whole other thing that didn't quite work out because, because of um, not having permission or the license from Capcom. Uh, but yeah, cause to me, the thing is like, Educational training information products are like no gimmick, super like consistent ways to like share information, help people get better and make money. And, and it's all digital. So once it's up, you just passive income, passive income. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've been finding ways to monetize yourself and studying it more importantly for a long time then. Oh yeah. I mean, I've studied so much of, I don't know. I mean, I, not as much anymore, but back then like studying, yeah, like, you know, internet marketing, SEO. I mean, I'm like, I'm not an expert, but I'm like, you know, well-versed in like SEO, pay-per-click, fucking affiliate marketing. Like I, I feel like I've, I've done every single type of content and monetized every single possible way that there, that there is. I'm sure there's a few that I've missed, but I know I covered like most of the <laughs> I know I've covered almost all the bases. Okay. So that kind of leads me into the next topic, which is this debate between esports versus grassroots and, and people's perceptions of uh, basically monetizing yourself um, within the, the FGC. And uh, I, first, I want to know, you know, what your your thought process is with observing the the hesitation that a lot of people have. Hesitation of like what going like going full esports. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you like some band because their music speaks to you, and also nobody knows about them because they're like not mainstream they're not on the radio so you feel like oh like uh, this is this is like my band right but then 
if they're good and successful and consistent, then what happens is they become popular. And then some of the fan base is like, sweet, great. And the other part of the fan base is like, oh, these fucking sell out. <laughs> so, and, and some, you know, some bands like they'll, they'll change their sound to become mainstream. Other bands will still be the same band. They're just more famous. So I think in our scene, there's this sort of notion that like esports is bad. You're a fucking sellout. Um, but the reality is that it's just your perception because it's on one hand, one school of thought is it's selling out. The other school of thought is it's, it's cashing in. And I, I don't, I don't think of myself as esports. I don't think of myself as a sellout. I've certainly done, I've certainly taken like commentary or hosting gigs for like big fucking companies that pay the bills. I've also done tons of shit for free. And I've also done like, you know, campaign, you know, like influencer campaigns and promotions for, for various products. I mean, do I like, does it bother me if like some movie that's coming out needs an extra, had some marketing spend that needed to go onto YouTube? Does that bother me? No. Why? Why? I don't give a shit. Like this, I, this money is going to get spent anyways. So if I get an opportunity to catch it and it just, and it doesn't harm me or it doesn't take away from the viewer's experience, if anything, there've been lots of campaigns that actually cause us to either make something new that we wouldn't have anyways, or put out additional stuff because, um, this campaign was available. So, because we've done lots of campaigns before. It's like, okay, we're going to put out excellent adventures on Sunday. Then this campaign comes up on a Monday and we just had something ready to go. And then it's on Tuesday. So now, okay, well, thanks to so-and-so you get to watch this new episode of excellent adventures early or that you wouldn't have been able to see it all. So to me, like, I mean, obviously like esports. The, the, the big thing I think is that people in our scene, think of esports as like oh this sort of soulless sanitized like thing and they're not wrong but i mean who like who cares i mean what's what's the big deal like you can you can try to hold out i mean i'm probably even telling you all this i'm probably one of the only holdouts that's like oh i'm the, the fucking the jersey thing is lame like the everybody the, you know the, the fucking the, the tough sport you know that 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 pose like that is you, you look you look you're you look like a dork like i think it's <laughs> i think it's super whack but with that said when these types of like campaigns or opportunities come down the pipe i'm not gonna say no to that but i'm also like conscious of the way that i present myself because i don't believe that the esports Jersey and the fucking 
I don't know, the commentator, the, the, the blazer, the esports blazer. Like, yeah. I don't think that that's, that's not a necessity. Hmm. I mean, so I think we just need to figure out what is, what works for our scene. And that's why, like, for example, with E-League, um, you know, I'm not, at, at, it's been a long time since I really gave a fuck about, like, being really good at the game. But, you know, when I thought about it, obviously, you know, it was a great opportunity, but I looked at, you know, I looked at the lineup and I'm like, okay, well, how do I do the exact opposite? Because I think that it's, I, I think it's lame. I think the jerseys are ugly and they're lame and that's why, that's why I did the exact opposite. But, and you still sit out. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It was easy. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, because I think of it, because here's the thing, like, first, the, the, the biggest thing right now, the biggest reason why the esports, most of the esports model doesn't work is because most of the esports games are team-based. Mm-hmm. Right now, this is, and the, you know, it's probably going to change very soon. Fighting games are probably going to transition to being team-based. Maybe it'll, then it'll be, make more sense. But right now, it's still one-on-one. So... There's no, to me, there's no value as a player or whatever, somebody to, to just put on like the jersey, just put on some jersey of some organization with a bunch of fucking sponsor logos that like you don't personally have like a relationship with, you know, like if you look at any of these guys that are wearing these jerseys with these big corporate sponsors, like. The relationship is not with those bots, with those companies. The relationship is with the, the team, which is essentially just acting as an agency because it's a one-on-one game. Mm-hmm. So I think of it more like I, if, if, if it were me, it would be like, okay, how do we look, how can we present ourselves like more like a soccer team? Mm-hmm. Because that's also one of the big cultural differences in you know fighting games versus the other genres is like most people were very diverse economically socially ethnically super diverse and people generally are more they're like they're like characters people are very outspoken you know you don't Mm -hmm. have you know in other in other games other genres you have players that aren't necessarily like the ones that are like super, you know, charismatic and people like really connect with, those are the exception right now, not the norm. But mm. in our scene, it's the norm to be like, you know, to character. have a person, yeah, to be a character. I talked about this with uh, James Chen, I think last year, and I, I call it the sheen of WWE uh, because there's a lot of personas or, or personalities within the FGC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look. I study the history of pro wrestling to understand where we are currently in fighting games and where we're going. Actually, that ties great into a question I was going to ask, which is where do you where do you see the FGC going? Uh, so I think right now we're in this sort of transition phase where, like, League of Legends used to be like the king and or i don't know or dota's i don't know it was like mobas were like the most popular Mm -hmm. and then because starcraft kind of like came and kind of died 
And now, with the rise of PUBG and Fortnite specifically, um, I think the MOBAs, even though the prize the prize pools are ginormous, but like, no, I mean, Fortnite, I mean, even though I, I hated on the Ninja Drake Fortnite thing, it's still, it was still a very important milestone and one of the thing, one of the major things that sort of popped Fortnite into pop culture and it's, yeah. it's there. So I think that those games, especially now with the $100 million Fortnite prize pool thing, like that shit is going to keep growing. Um, but with that said, in the same way that probably people thought that League of Legends was going to be the most popular game forever, <laughs> it wasn't. Because newsflash, nothing is going to be super popular forever. So, like, maybe MOBAs have peaked, I don't know, but they're certainly, it's not growing at the same rate that Fortnite is, right? So, I anticipate that there'll be the same sort of growth. It's going to keep growing. Rising Tide raises all ships, but it's going to hit, it's going to hit a plateau. And unless another genre comes out of nowhere, because like the battle royale genre kind of didn't, I mean, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm just ignorant, but I don't think it existed several years ago, or maybe it did to a, to a small extent, but not like it does in a now. different way. Yeah, in a different way, like Daisy stuff like that, but it wasn't right. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that unless a new genre comes up out of nowhere, I think it's a pretty sure bet that fighting games will be next to experience this sort of like massive explosion in, in growth and popularity. Uh, but it's still going to be several years away. I think that the, the, all of this, these big esports investors and the big money that's coming in at some point, they're going to be like, all right, where's the ROI? <laughs> and they're going to want, to be like they're gonna want their money back and if all of these organizations that have accepted this money can't deliver people are gonna pull out and then the bubble will either burst or deflate and then people will be the, the truly dedicated will be like okay well what's next oh 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 fighting games oh, yeah, I know Street Fighter oh oh Dragon Ball oh wow mm -hmm. and it's the natural progression because it's easier i mean at least a one-on-one -on -one 2d fighting game or one-on-one -on -one fighting game in general is just gonna be easier to watch than league of legends or league overwatch fortnite. dota fortnite counter-strike the whole thing you can get normal people to watch fighting games because it's easier to follow and because people will resonate or not or completely hate like the people that they get to know on on you know on stream or whatever on tv on on camera on camera okay yeah so where do you see yourself in all of this in the, in the trajectory of of competitive fighting games well i mean i guess over the past six or eight months i've just been in a a funk uh so i've not been super active in creating content especially like being doing videos being on camera and stuff um 
But now, I guess I feel better or different or, I don't know, have a slightly different path now. Um, so I see myself creating a, let's just say I'm, I'm working on a tournament series that I think people will get a kick out of. So um, between that and trying to find more ways to create and deliver value for the scene, um, I don't know, I just see myself trying to provide a more, do a better job of providing a platform for finding people to either monetize their content or put themselves over or help get better as a player, not necessarily from content I'm creating, but hopefully I'll be able to partner with the right people to create this content. Because I have it all, it's like all, the rabbit hole is so deep in terms of like the content that can be created. It's just, I can't do it. It's way too much for me, for even one person to do. So I guess, um, I don't know, I guess I just see myself trying to do more events, I guess, in in and around Vegas, because I'm, I'm there in Vegas now. Um, okay. Uh, Super Bay, that's like not a good, <laughs> not a good answer. But is there, I is also, there... but I, I don't like to necessarily like say too much about stuff that isn't like super concrete. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so a question I always ask people, um, if someone walks up to you and, you know, they say, I want to be where you are, you know, I want, you know, I don't, you know, I'm starting from ground zero and I want to do what you're doing. What kind of advice would you tell this person? Hmm. Uh, um, I guess if somebody wanted to be, I guess if somebody wanted to be the next Gutex, then they should try to figure out how they can create and deliver as much value to as many people as possible. Everybody has like a few like innate talents or gifts or things that they're good at. Um, it's, it's really about finding that thing. Every, lot, and, and people, I hear this all the time, people are like, oh, I'm not good at anything, or like, oh, I'm not good on camera, or like, oh, I can't write, or like, I suck at the game, or whatever. But usually, all those things might be true, but there's still, there's still is always something that you bring to the table. It's just a question of whether or not you're willing to put in the work and the consistency required over a long period of time to start to see, you know, the fruits of your labor. Um, you know, not everybody. You don't. You don't need to be on camera. People think that oh, streaming is like such a big fucking deal right now. Oh, if I want to like, I I should go. I should go and try to be like Twitch famous or like build an audience like that. But the reality is like. You know, like if that's not what you truly enjoy and what you're truly passionate about, like you're not gonna stick with it long enough to see it through. So it's like you gotta take like 
inventory of your skill of your own personal skill set and then try to figure out how that can help people perfect example and maybe maybe like a like a tech monster right like somebody somebody is like really 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 good at finding setups or you know finding the cheap shit in the game right and then you're like but but they suck in terms of uh tournaments right so then you're like okay well i have all this knowledge i'm not good on camera i know a lot about the game but i can't perform at a high level therefore i'm fucking useless and that's not true and i see it so often where people have really good tech and they'll just they either post it on twitter or they post it on youtube it's a couple hundred views and they're just like oh well, fuck like why bother the reality is that somebody like me can take stuff like that and know exactly how to best leverage that to either monetize or to at, at the very least like build a larger audience which eventually will lead to being able to monetize for example if you had like 10 of these little like setups like for example Street Fighter 5 Urian right like you had like these 10 like wacky setups that nobody ever seen before you know like that's the type of stuff that our audience on our on our website our subscription website would would be totally into and the platform that we have supports an unlimited amount of collaborators and contributors right so what we can do is we can say if somebody has this type of tech all they need is a way to monetize well we just be like okay well we'll just make an account on site you upload the videos to our site and now you're getting a now you're getting a portion of uh, an appropriate proportion based on the views that's relative to our overall subscription revenue mm -hmm. but is it um is it easy is it obvious is it straightforward once you've done it once fuck yeah it is but before you've done it you're just like oh that's that's too hard or there, there'll be these little obstacles that stop you on the way oh i don't know how to edit or oh i don't know how to do i don't know how to make a thumbnail on photoshop well, it's like all it's 2018 like there's plenty of ways to accomplish <laughs> these things and we can use the internet to learn the things that we don't know how to do yep google uh, Fiverr. Uh, yeah. Um, but real, so I don't know. It's just like practice, consistency, and patience because you're going to suck at the beginning. And that's usually what stops people. People are like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, oh, I don't know how to talk on camera or I don't know how to edit or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, duh. Nobody knows how to do anything until they learn how to do it, until they apply themselves. It's not that hard. But I don't know. People, people are lazy. I feel like gamers, especially, are, are lazy inherently. Inherently, you must be lazy if if you are so good at playing games that you beat other people playing games. Like inherently, you must be kind of lazy. So yeah. it's, it's like, an instant instant gratification era that we're living in too. I I believe. Yeah, yeah like I mean, you know it's it's not going to happen like that in fighting games or esports and if it did you probably wouldn't last very long anyways hmm. like what's the saying like overnight successes are like 10 years in the making you know it looks like an overnight success but these people have been grinding forever 
Thank so, you for pointing that out. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, how do you pick something? And the thing is, like, you can always change your mind. Oh, you start out editing videos, you're like, okay, well, I kind of know the basics. This fucking blows. Let me try writing an article. Let me try putting together an ebook. Let me try, like, I don't know, doing commentary or whatever. There's so many different paths. I feel like I've tried them all. Yeah. My experience doesn't go away. No, it doesn't go away in the same way that even though I decide, I, even though I said enough is enough, I'm not recording any more of these shitty metal bands. Did my, did what I learned about audio go away? No, it directly helped the very next thing. And the very next thing was way easier, <laughs> way easier than what I was doing before. And that helped. Having that knowledge and experience from, you know, doing audio engineering, you, I was able to use the same software, Sony Vegas, to start editing videos. And it was the same thing. It wasn't, it wasn't that hard because I had already, I guess, I guess I'd already just been committed to like learning. So I guess that's the takeaway. Be committed to learning, not committed to any one method or any one medium or delivery or whatever just be committed to investing in yourself okay i like it and then last question is just a simple one you know if people want to learn more on you where where can they find you what what do they need to check out uh i mean you can go to the website crosscounter.tv you can go to the youtube channel youtube.com slash crosscounter.tv follow me on instagram um, I'm not, I'll, I'll, like, it's, it's, I'll put it in the description down below <laughs> just look up blue checks but just lower your expectations because it's not like like you know all the stuff that i've been working on the past like couple of months like there's you're not gonna see none of that shit on on social okay yeah all right just, well yeah so uh, this has been an enlightening conversation. Uh, I enjoyed it. Hopefully this wasn't too boring for you. But, you know, I, I hope you guys learned a lot about this. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I love the ramblers. That's that's the people that I like to find because I think there's a lot of information to get, especially from the entrepreneurial side, which we don't get a lot of. So I hope you guys learned a lot from this. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. And I'll see you guys in the next one.